Tuesday, November 5th here in Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Schaaf. With me, as always, Jared Smola. If you haven't checked in already, we have Week 10 Free Agent Focus articles up now on DraftSharks.com. We got the offense covered. We got some team defense streamers. We got the IDPs. You can also find our Week 10 projections live on the site now. Those are not only feeding the rankings pages, but they also feed the My Team page that fits those projections to your specific league settings gives you start-sit recommendations right there for your team, for your specific league. Before we get too far away from Week 9, though, Jared, there are some things that we should go over from Sunday, Monday, whatever, before we project them forward. And I think we should start with the Browns because I think that we expect – I don't know how much we expect from the Browns at this point, but I think we probably expected better than a 24-19 to loss to the Brandon Allen Broncos. Yeah, I mean, this, this has to be the low point for the Browns. And, I mean, it's not not that we ex- – I think we expected a huge game on offense here because, you know, the Denver defense is still talented and, you know, playing in Denver is tough. But, yeah, I mean, finding a way to lose to Brandon Allen just, just sort of sums up the Browns season so far, I think. Brandon Allen had a, a decent day. I, I think that we need to make sure not to overrate it and say that he's – I don't even know if he's Kyle Allen yet. I mean, he got lucky on the Noah Fant catch-and-run touchdown – he was fortunate that Cortland Sutton came down with that other touchdown, right? Yeah, I mean, sweet catch by Cortland Sutton. He's he's awesome. Um, and, and Fant sort of reminded us of the big playability he has at tight end. But you take away those two plays, and Brandon Allen throws for 97 scoreless yards. Um, I, I looked at his PFF passing grade. It was actually worse than what Joe Flacco has posted in, in seven of his eight games this season. So I'm I'm still not you know really excited about this Broncos offense. And I, and I think the Browns' defense – Played well, honestly, outside of those two plays. They are on a bye this week, so we don't have to figure it out for this week. On the other side of that, though, I would still consider Brandon Allen a downgrade, even if it ends up being slight from Joe Flacco. Maybe what we got from Noah Fant and Cortland Sutton against the Browns at least says that they might be a little bit safer than we thought. But again, I I don't want to read too much into what they did against a Cleveland team that's just reeling in general. Right. I mean, I think, again, Sutton at this point is is good enough. And he, I think I feel good enough about his volume. I mean, he saw eight targets on uh, Sunday, and that was on a day when Brandon Allen attempted just 20 passes. So I think the volume is going to be there for Sutton, where he is still going to be a fantasy starter, even if he's more of a wide receiver three now. And then Noah Fant, I mean, he, you know, he's been the biggest beneficiary of the Emmanuel Sanders trade. He's fans posted his two highest snap rates of the season. He's been over 80% each of the last two weeks. And again, you know, he saw four targets yesterday, but or on Sunday, but you know, that, that was second on the team and was a 20% target share. So I think Fant, um, you know, as we've said, tight end is so shaky that that Fant's going to be a guy who's probably going to be in lower end tight end one range in our rankings uh, most weeks going forward after the bye here. Yeah, I think by default, he's like tight end 12 to 14 going forward, maybe better than that if the volume proves good. And I mean, I said for Sutton before that he was a less good Juju Smith-Schuster for comparison's sake. Uh, Maybe that wasn't giving him quite enough credit. Maybe he just is Juju Smith-Schuster. I I still don't know that I think Sutton is quite as good, but he's a talented player. And the thing that he has over Juju is that there's probably less around Cortland Sutton in terms of other target options than there are in Pittsburgh. 
Yeah, there's definitely less around Sutton, I think. And you know, as we've said, it's not like Joe Flacco was playing great. So even though we don't you know believe in Brandon Allen, it's it's probably not a huge downgrade. And then back to the Cleveland side, I don't I don't think a whole lot changes. We haven't been playing Baker Mayfield. There's no reason to do so now in the immediate future. On offense, Jarvis Landry saw 13 targets to Odell Beckham six, which we've all heard about from Beckham and those amplifying what he says since then. I don't think that was a shock because Odell Beckham was heading for a Chris Harris matchup and Jarvis Landry was heading for a better coverage matchup. I wouldn't be surprised if we get a similar game this week with Odell Beckham likely facing Tredavious White all week and Jarvis Landry in a much better spot. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. I think I wouldn't be surprised at all if Jarvis Landry out targets Beckham again in this one. Uh, I mean, the good news for these guys, and I, you know, I do think Beckham and Landry are both weekly stars at this point. Um, they do get a week 12 game against Miami. They get the Bengals in week 14. They get the Cardinals in week 15. So there are some easier spots coming up on the schedule here. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe there's a little bit of buy low appeal to them, especially with, I don't know, just how high profile the struggles there have been and the complaints. But I can't say that I'm rooting people on to go get either guy at this point. If you can buy Beckham based on what he's actually produced this season, I would do it. I, I just think people still see the name and you're not going to get that big of a discount on OBJ. Kareem Hunt, meanwhile, is eligible now to uh, start taking part with the Browns. Uh, he belongs on rosters at this point because basically, I mean, Nick Chubb could go out and get hurt this week and then Kareem Hunt could be Cleveland's starter the rest of the way. But I wouldn't bet on him infringing too much on Nick Chubb just because he's back on the field. Yeah, we'll see. I honestly have no idea. Um, I, I will I will say for, for whatever reason, since the bye week, Nick Chubb's playing time has been down a little bit. He's played 65 and 60% of the snaps the past two weeks after being, you know, up in the seventies and eighties prior to the bye week. Um, you know, Dontrell Hilliard has been taking those snaps from him. Maybe that's the Browns like getting Chubb ready for, you know, this Kareem Hunt return here. Um, but I I agree for now, Chubb's still a running back one hunt, definitely worth owning worst case as a high end handcuff. And you know, it's possible he gets eight to 12 touches per game down the stretch. And, you know, that would be enough, especially with his talent to make him a running back three or flex option. Yeah, I think there's a shot, but I, I'm not even sure I'm willing to bet on, on that level yet. I mean, and 60 to 65% playing time for Chubb, it's down, but that's also a range that a lot of other starting running backs find themselves in. So maybe it's just a matter of Cleveland realizing that they don't want to overwork their their best asset on offense right now, especially heading into the final stretch of the season. Yeah, I mean, it's fine. And Chubb's still seen 21 and then 25 opportunities in the last two games. But I mean, when the other option is Dontra Hilliard, if it's me, I'm playing Nick Chubb 90% of the snaps. <laughs> On to the Jets, who, I don't know, if anybody, if any team has a worse outlook than Cleveland, it might be the Jets right now. <laughs> they couldn't even get it done against the Dolphins. You know, as we said going in, if they can't get it done here, it might be time to give up. Sam Darnold, QB 21 against the Dolphins in week nine. I mean, are we even keeping Sam Darnold on fantasy rosters at this point? I mean, two quarterback leagues, he should be owned because any starter should be owned. Um, you have deeper one quarterback leagues. Again, that we've talked about the schedule. It's unbelievable. If we get, you know, a couple of good games out of Darnold, he get, it gets our trust back. He could be usable, but he, you know, he's definitely not someone you need to stash at this point. Now, he Darnold's someone, if he's your quarterback too, I'd be dropping him for any of those, you know, handcuff type running backs we've been talking about. Yeah, and I mean, you can certainly check the rankings, both the rest of the way and the the week ten rankings, to see exactly who we would favor over Darnold at this point. There is at least a game against the Giants this week. It's a favorable matchup. It's another spot where you can say, okay, 
if Darnold doesn't do it here, then again, it's going to be tough to trust him anywhere going forward. But maybe it's at least one more spot where if you are struggling at quarterback and Darnold looks like the highest upside option that you have in, say, like a 14-team league, you know, one more spot to see if he can actually deliver in positive matchups. For me, you'd have to be desperate to use Darnold. I would much rather use Daniel Jones on the other side of that game. I mean, Darnold, to me, he's gone from you know, let's, let's give him one more chance. And if he doesn't do it here, we're done to now it's, you know, he, he has to prove it to me before he gets back into a lineup. Yeah. I agree with that. Especially with that one coming against the dolphins. Le'Veon Bell played more, but he didn't do a whole lot more on the field against Miami. Yeah. I mean, it was good news, bad news for Bell last week. He played 90% of the snaps. He he got the work that he, he sort of ha- should have been getting all season here. 17 carries, nine targets, but he averages 3.9 yards per carry against the dolphins. 6.9 yards per catch, doesn't score a touchdown. He's averaging 3.3 yards per carry and 6.1 yards per catch now. He's definitely been, I think, just brought down by the the struggles of the Jets offense in, in general. And he has definitely gone from a let's buy him before things turn up for him to a guy like, yeah, you got to hold and hope things turn around and that the production comes. Yeah, and we also heard Monday that Bell was getting an MRI on his knee. Um, you know, I, I didn't notice anything during that game against Miami. I, I don't think he left at any point. And Adam Schefter kind of reported today that the injury isn't serious. So I'm assuming Bell is going to be fine for Week 10 here, but we'll have to watch his practice participation this week. And then, you know, if, if Bell does miss time, I don't even know if I'm really excited about anyone. I mean, I think we don't know if it would be Bilal Powell or Ty Montgomery leading the way. And then, you know, just the struggles of the offense in general, again, I think it would make tough to, it would make it tough to be excited about anyone there. Yeah. I think it would be a timeshare and a bad backfield. They just elevated Josh Adams too, from the practice squad today. So that's, that fed the speculation about Le'Veon Bell's knee. Uh, The reports say that they elevated Josh Adams to keep another team from signing him away. You know, we'll see if that's true or if that's just the team trying to make you not worry about Bell. But at this point, I was I would expect to have Le'Veon Bell available for Sunday's game against the Giants. And, you know, he probably has to remain in starting lineups, especially in PPR lineups. Jamison Crowder, Robbie Anderson are basically the only two Jets that I feel decent about. Robbie Anderson's hurt by Sam Darnold's play, but I think both of those guys will generally factor into at least the wide receiver three mix. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, that's where the schedule helps, where even if their quarterback's struggling, the matchup should help. Of course, Anderson was the big disappointment against Miami. Crowder had the big game. Um, the, the targets between those two over the last four games, and with Darnold, it's Jamison Crowder, 28, Robbie Anderson, 26. So, you know, they're basically splitting it down the middle there. Crowder remains the safer weekly bet just because he's doing you know more of the short yardage stuff. Anderson has more of the big play upside. Mm-hmm. On the other side of that one, the Dolphins couldn't even win nicely. I mean, <laughs> right at the end of this game that they win, Preston Williams goes down, suffering ACL tear. He's done for the year. I guess that props up Devontae Parker even further, and he's been doing pretty well lately anyway. Yeah, and Williams' injury came on a freaking punt return. Like, I get you have to use someone on those returns, but I, I wouldn't be using this, you know, rookie who's been looking really promising on punt returns, but I guess that's Miami, so. Yeah, imagine most other teams using their number one receiver. I mean, you you, you can call him a rookie or an undrafted rookie or whatever, but he's their number one receiver right now, and he's on a punt return late in the game that they're winning. And you have Jakeem Grant, who I think could do it. You have Albert Wilson, who could probably do it. But, you know, that that's, that's besides the point. It's Miami. Par- Par- Parker definitely gets a boost here. He'd already, you know, I think he'd already been producing better than we've been giving him credit for, I think. Um, 11 plus PPR points in five straight games now. He's up to wide receiver 30 in PPR points he's 37th in targets and 
you look at the schedule, I mean, he, he still gets the Bills in week 11. He'll probably see Tredavious White there. That's a tough spot, but good spots in weeks 13 through 16 against the Eagles, Jets, Giants, and Bengals. So Parker could, at this point, be someone you kind of rely on as a weekly wide receiver three the rest of the way. You know, Devontae Parker setting up to really crush the <laughs> owners over the final stretch of the season. I know, I know. One last time. Mike Jacecki should see a target boost with Preston Williams out. I can't say that I'm jumping on board that train, though, personally. I mean, I don't feel great about it, but again, I mean, sort of like Noah Fant, like, you know, the, the guy ha- the guy has some talent as a pass catcher, at least, and he, he, he's going to get volume. He, he really should be, you know, the second best bet for volume in Miami now. Gusecki's averaged five targets per game over his last four since, since the bye week. So he, he's already, he'd already been seeing, you know, a bigger role in the past game. And I think, again, that that should grow a bit further with Preston Williams up. Yeah, I would rather have Noah Fant going forward. I think he's a much bigger talent. First round pick, more productive college player. Mike Jacecki never really performed up to his athleticism, even at Penn State. He was always more of a volume guy than a production guy. You know, going to get targets here. He's in the picture. I'm trying to even, I'm struggling to even place him. Like I I wouldn't take him over Jason Witten the rest of the way. Yeah, I think um, I think Gusecki belongs right in that mix with Jason Witten. I mean, I think Witten feels safer just because you know he, he's done it for so long. Yes, I agree. And Mark Walton, of course, uh, <laughs> now he will miss the next four games, suspended under the league's personal conduct and substance abuse policies. I'm not sure I really understand why something like this took so long for him. You know, sometimes right. we have to investigate things. The guy was arrested three times in the offseason. We probably should have expected games lost to be coming. I'm not sure why it had to wait until, you know, week 10 to happen, though. Right, yeah. So Walton now out until week 14. So I think in shallower leagues and even medium-sized leagues, he's probably droppable. If you have a deep bench, maybe hang on to him. Maybe he still helps you in those last few weeks. We'll see what happens in Miami's backfield now. Kalen Balazs, you would think, is going to take over. But Miami, it seems like they've, like, pretty much given up on Bellage. Um so I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised if Miles Gaskins, the rookie out of Washington, um, you know, starts seeing action and maybe even, you know, out touches Kalen Bellage. I I'd like to see Gaskins get a shot rather than Bellage, because at this point we know Bellage is not good. I mean this was probably the team that the Jets were blocking Josh Adams from, you gotta think, because yeah, this is like the one team in the league where Josh Adams could improve things. I, I want no part of Kalen Bellage. I think he's Ty Johnson in a worse situation and with more of a chance to this point to show us that he's ready to disappoint, even if he gets the touches. I think Miami's signing somebody. I think it's time for Jay Ajayi to finally find a team this season. And frankly, whoever they sign, even if it's John Hilleman, I'm taking John Hilleman over Kalen Balaj heading in, heading forward. Yeah, I mean, I think ideally you don't want anything to do with this backfield. Like, I don't even think Bellage is a must-add. If you're if you're desperate, and I know a lot of teams are because we have six teams on by this week. So if you're desperate, you know, Bellage is in running back three territory in our rankings. But I would try not to use him again. I think we'll have to see what we hear if we hear anything about Miles Gaskin playing a significant role. I'd love to see Jay Ajayi back in Miami. I mean, if you're Ajayi, just sign somewhere just to get on the field and, sh- and sort of show teams what you can do down the stretch and, you know, maybe get, get a bigger contract next offseason. All right, so we'll move away from those teams now move on to some more positive stuff. And let's talk about some tight ends who did some things. Uh, Jacob Hollister, two touchdowns among his four catches for Seattle in that win over the Bucs. Uh, is Jacob Hollister an option going forward? Because this is two pretty good outings for him. 
Everyone was scoring points in that uh, Seahawks-Bucks game. That was fun. Um, so H- Hollister, I-, I was looking at his usage over the last three weeks, and in the competitive games the Seahawks had against Baltimore and Tampa Bay in Week 7 and 9, Hollister saw six targets in both of those games. He played 52% of the snaps in that Ravens game. He was up to 80% of the snaps against the Bucks. Um, in that easy win over Atlanta, it was, it was more of a Luke Wilson game at tight end. I think, you know, they like him as more of the run blocker. So in that game, Hollister only saw two targets, played 35% of the snaps. So I think we're going to sort of have to be guessing at game flow. And if the if the Seahawks are in more of a game where they have to pass the ball, I think Hollister is going to be an option. But in, you know, games where they can just pound it on the ground, I don't think he's going to be in play. Yeah, so he could be a sneaky target collector at San Francisco this week where Mm-hmm. it's probably going to be one of the tougher spots for Seattle to run the ball all season. You know, just a tough matchup where they're going to need options. So I, I wouldn't, I'm not pointing to Jacob Hollister as a good option, but you know, this season we've seen all sorts of struggles at tight end. So if you are struggling, maybe he can be an option this week. We also have Josh Gordon potentially in the mix as early as this coming week, which could take some targets away from Hollister. Nick Boyle, five targets, five catches, 27 yards, and a touchdown in week nine in that game against the Patriots. Uh, What should we make of Nick Boyle going forward? I think you can safely ignore Nick Boyle. (laughs) He averaged uh, 2.7 targets and 1.7 catches over the first seven games. It was an interesting game plan, I guess, from Baltimore. Boyle played 84% of the snaps. Mark Andrews only played 34%, season low for Mark Andrews. Um, again, I, I think it was just a game plan thing. I don't think it'll be that way going forward. Yeah, I mean, it was a season high for Nick Boyle. He's consistently been over 60%, though, and it's actually been up in recent weeks, three straight before that one at 65% or more after he was just below that rate starting out. And they've always liked Nick Boyle as a blocker, so that's going to keep him on the field. Right. But, I mean, if they liked him more as a receiver, that would have shown up by now. This is his fifth season with the team. So I agree. It's it, it, Maybe he pops up for another similar game at some point, but he's not about to turn into a regular receiving contributor. Yeah, he's, de- he's definitely going to hurt you more than he helps you if, you if you try to use him going forward. I'm concerned about Mark Andrews, though. I, I Maybe yeah. Sunday night was just a, a matter of them playing him less as part of a game plan where they wanted more blocking available. But... Yeah he's he seems like he's trending downward lately I mean he obviously was horrible in that game against Seattle I just don't think Baltimore can afford to you know cut back his role there's just there's just not enough weapons in that passing game um this past week was the first game all season Andrews didn't see at least seven targets so I I I think he's going to be fine going forward there's maybe a bit more risk at this point than there has been though Mm -hmm. I think I would at the very least I would be more willing to include Mark Andrews in a trade package if somebody's coming after him than I would have a couple weeks ago. Yeah, it's just tough. I mean, I feel like I'd have to have another one of those, you know, top seven tight ends if I'm going to move Andrews. I I think I would extend the range a little bit wider, but, you know, without getting specific deals to talk about here, I don't know how how in-depth we can get on it. And he gets the Bengals uh, matchup this week, so I I think it's a good bounce-back spot for Andrews. Yeah, where he didn't quite pay off for me the last time in that matchup. That was the game where he got to 99 yards and didn't find the end zone, right? Exactly. (laughs) Jerk. All right, let's move on to Jack Doyle. Four targets, three catches, 22 yards, and a touchdown in the Brian Hoyer victory for the Colts against Pittsburgh. Oh, no, sorry, not a victory. They lost because Adam Vinatieri can't kick anymore. Jack Doyle, I think that's right in the range where he's been, and I think he'll stay in a similar range. But 
I also think his outlook brightens a little bit going forward because T.Y. Hilton's still probably out for a couple more games. And now Paris Campbell is going to be out for some time, according to his coach, even though we don't know how long that's going to be yet. Yeah, right. So the, the Colts getting pretty shorthanded at wide receiver now. Devin Funchess eligible to come off IR this week. I haven't heard anything about him, you know, if he's returned to practice or if he's ready or what. So we'll have to keep an eye on that. But it, it would make sense for these tight ends to play a bigger role in the passing game, you know, at least until Hilton is back. Doyle at this point, I mean, should probably be consistently ranked ahead of Eric Ebron. I mean, he's just, he's on the field so much more. Last week, uh, Doyle played 77% of the snaps. Eric Ebron was only at 34%. Doyle's been at 68 plus percent of the snaps in every game so far this season. And he's out there, you know, more than Ebron because they like him better as a blocker. But I, it, it just makes him safer, I think, that he's on the field so much more. Doyle averaging 4.3 targets per game on the season now, so not a great number, but it is up to 4.8 over the last six games. And, you know, again, like you said, I wouldn't be surprised with the wide receiver injuries if Doyle, you know, starts seeing five, six, seven targets a game. Yeah, and the good thing is that even if Eric Ebron starts playing more with the wide receiver injuries, it doesn't necessarily mean that Jack Doyle comes off the field. He's going to be playing because he's a better blocker. And they'll just go more to tight end as opposed to, you know, putting Ebron in more and taking Doyle out. Right. And, and the Colts get the Dolphins this week. So, you know, upside for everyone in that offense. <laughs> yeah, that's a nice healer. Uh, Ryan Griffin, a second straight, nice fantasy outing. He had four catches for 66 and two touchdowns at Jacksonville in week eight. Week nine, it was six catches for 50 yards on eight targets against the Dolphins. I'm not going to pump up Ryan Griffin going forward, but I do think that his past two weeks are at least enough to say, maybe we don't necessarily know that Chris Herndon's going to take over that position for the Jets when he's healthy. See, I view this as just imagine what Chris Herndon would be doing if Ryan Griffin is doing this as the Jets yeah. league tight end. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a little too much for Chris Herndon. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we'll see. It's tough to trust Herndon at this point until we, you know, at least hear that he's ready to play a significant role because you know he he was active in that game against Miami, didn't play a snap. He's he's not ready yet. I, I think I think maybe if he starts getting in full practices, that'll sort of be the sign that he's ready to go because he's been limited the past couple of weeks now. Yeah, so we'll have to watch word on Ryan Griffin heading into Sunday's matchup with the Giants. Giants have fared decently against tight ends for the season, but they also just let up a bunch of receptions to Jason Witten, the touchdown catch to Blake Jarwin on Monday night. Right. So, I mean, Ryan Griffin's in play if you're looking down at that level for a, a tight end. Yeah, I agree. If, if you know, Hernan's out, I think if Hernan is going to play this week, you probably just got to avoid the situation until we sort of see what it's going to look like. Yeah, I totally agree. And TJ Hawkinson, before we get away from the tight ends, Good news for him. He left the game for a concussion check. It came back clean. He did not suffer his second concussion of the year. He did see seven targets against the Raiders. That's the most for Hawkinson since his nine-target opener against Arizona. That was an overtime game. Caught only three of them, but did put up 56 yards. Next two matchups, Chicago and Dallas. Both of those spots have been more favorable for tight end scoring than for wide receiver scoring. Yep, you know, I think Hawkinson. While like we'd like to see more volume, um, you know, he's he's you know going to be in the tight end one mix. I'd rather have Hawkinson than all these other guys we've mentioned, like Kasicki and Fant, even and Witten. Yes, I totally agree with that. Uh, and I feel like Hawkinson is the kind of guy where I could see trading away a Mark Andrews package to bring back a TJ Hawkinson mm-hmm. package. I wouldn't trade those guys one for one. But, you know, if you're getting an upgrade elsewhere plus Hawkinson, I could see moving Andrews and getting him back. Right. I mean, I, I still consider that a pretty significant downgrade at tight end. But, it, but I mean, if, if you're getting a big upgrade elsewhere, it, it's definitely doable. Yeah. Feel free to email us with the specific offers on that front. 
Uh, elsewhere on the injury front, other wide receiver injuries that we're going to need to monitor. Adam Thielen aggravated his hamstring injury early in Sunday's game against the Chiefs. I would not bet on him playing in Week 10. We'll kind of see beyond that. Yeah, I would bet I'm missing at least one game. Um, Minnesota plays this Sunday night or two, so you know, hopefully Thielen doesn't end up as a game-time call where owners have to wait on him. Yeah, really. And if he is out, then it helps the tight ends. Tight ends have fared well in, in target volume over the past couple of games, and both Kyle Rudolph and Irv Smith have factored into you-have-to-pay-attention-to-me range. They're not like strong starters, but they're on the radar. Yep, and they get Dallas, who, as you mentioned, is, is a bit easier matchup for tight ends than it is for wide receivers. Mm-hmm. Deshaun Jackson lasted all four plays against the Bears, aggravated his abdominal injury, and he's having surgery out four to six weeks. If you held him this long, sorry, but it's time to cut bait. Yeah, th- this one pisses me off because the, the Eagles, the Eagles botched this. He he should have just had surgery right away, and you know he would have been out four to six weeks, and he would have been back by now, and hopefully been fine. But you know, it was it, it was fun while it lasted in week one. And now he's you know he's he's cuttable. Yeah, and I think not only do you cut him, but losing Deshaun Jackson basically for the rest of the season really damages the outlook for Carson Wentz as well. He just hasn't been what we were hoping he's going to be since that week one that looked so amazing with Deshaun Jackson. Yeah, and the Eagles you know, have a bye this week. They get New England um, coming off the bye. So Wentz not usable for the next two weeks. I, the, the reason I would probably try to stash him is he gets Miami, the Giants, and the Redskins in weeks 13 through 15. So I, I do think he could help you in during that three-game stretch. Yep, he's fine. I wouldn't cut him, but uh, I would be willing to move him. Somebody's buying him for those matchups and offering me a good bet in return. Yep. All right, so keep track of those injuries and all the others uh, that matter in the Shark Bite section. That's free to anybody on DraftSharks.com. You don't have to be an insider. Uh, other injuries from Sunday. We, we talked about the Colts a little bit. Jacoby Brissett left that game early with an MCL sprain. It did get confirmed as an MCL sprain. It doesn't sound like it's serious. They have yet to even rule him out for this week's game against Miami. So maybe we'll lose Jacoby Brissett for week 10. He would be a starter, I think, if he is back for that game. And if he's out, Brian Hoyer is worth considering low in streaming territory. I watched most of that Colts Steelers game. Brian Hoyer was dealing. He made some really good throws. He's a he's a quality NFL backup. Like he can keep this passing game afloat. Again, I think you know Jack Doyle, Eric Ebron are guys we can you know use in this matchup against Miami. I think Zach Pascal now the clear number one wide receiver. He was already up to a ninety four percent snap rate last week. Led the team. Led the wide receivers with six targets. Um, as we've said, Paris Campbell out now with the fractured hand. So I think Pascal is a wide receiver three option in this Dolphins matchup. Yeah, I think if he had more healthy receivers, it might help Brian Hoyer. We'll talk more yeah. about the matchup with Miami on the Thursday show. But Brian Hoyer has been a solid player for a while in the backup range. He and Josh McCown are, are pretty similar in that um, aspect. Yep. And then finally on the QB injury front, another week of no Cam Newton, which is not a surprise. He's at least out for week 10 against Green Bay. Still a candidate for IR, it sounds like. We'll see where that goes. But Kyle Allen starting that game was solid against the Titans. He's still kind of low in QB2 territory. Yeah, um, for Cam Newton, I would go ahead and drop him outside of two quarterback leagues. I I sort of am betting against him playing again this season. Um, And then Kyle Allen, yeah, it was was a nice bounce-back performance against Tennessee. Um, But now going to Green Bay, a pretty tough pass defense. Yeah, I don't view him as anything more than a quarterback, too. I agree. Let's go to some running back notes from week nine. Trey Edmonds carried 12 times for 73 yards, while Jalen Samuels carried just eight times 
for 10 yards. Fortunately, Samuels caught all 13 of his targets to give us a big PPR day anyway, 73 yards. But uh, what do you make of Trey Edmonds outrushing him? I was I was surprised. And Samuels, you know, like you said, sort of saved everyone with the receiving production. Definitely, you know, James Conner, it sounds like he's iffy even for this upcoming week's game against the Rams. So, you know, if, if he's out, I, I still think Samuels is the better fantasy bat. Even if we project him to split carries with Trey Edmonds, we know Samuels is going to do all the work in the passing games. You know, I, I think he will still be at least a running back too if Conner is out against the Rams. Yeah, I agree. And he's not going to draw 10 plus targets every week, but this is why we were so comfortably playing Samuels in lineups and so comfortably sticking him into DFS lineups despite uh, what we knew would be high ownership because Pittsburgh is going to give a lot of work to pretty much anybody who's back there, especially if it is one of the top two guys on their depth chart. So even if the rushing's not working out, Jalen Samuels should remain a relatively high floor option if James Conner's not playing. Yeah, especially when it's Mason Rudolph under center. I think that, you know, probably will continue to push more work to the running backs. Big day for Melvin Gordon, 20 carries, 80 yards, two touchdowns, four targets, three catches for 29. Austin Eckler chimed in for 12 carries, 70 yards, another four catches of his own. Is it a breakthrough for Melvin Gordon, or was it just he was able to exploit a positive matchup? Yeah, I was going to say, the Packers' run defense remains bad, and now they have to try to stop Christian McCaffrey this weekend, so that'll be interesting to watch. Um, But Gordon, I I thought even back in week eight he he you know that was his most impressive showing of the season he's starting to look more like the Melvin Gordon we've seen over the past few seasons and again I thought he looked good in this game and the volume was nice to see it you know there there was just more focus on the running backs in general in this first game without Ken Wisenhunt with Eckler and Gordon combining for 32 carries and eight targets so I think you know that that should continue going forward the Chargers get the Raiders on Thursday night Oakland's played well against the run this season but it, you know it's still a good matchup for the offense in general so I think Gordon and Eckler are both fantasy starters and then they get the Chiefs um, before their bye week um, so you know that, that's a good spot for the rushing game yeah I mean playing from ahead against Green Bay and surprise ahead by a surprising amount certainly helped being able to stick with the running backs in that game I would imagine that they won't have too much of a game flow issue against the Raiders even if the Raiders win I don't think it's going to be a runaway me about the Chiefs, if Patrick Mahomes is back to full strength at that point, that wouldn't be surprising as a game where the Chiefs jump out to a lead. Then the bye. Things aren't great after that. They're at Denver, at Jacksonville, home for Minnesota, and then home for Oakland at the end of the season. So, I mean, you know, if you have Melvin Gordon, then you're probably okay with him at this point, especially after the way he started things out. But I wouldn't consider him a likely savior the rest of the way. Right, yeah, I don't think he's going to be an RB1 the rest of the way, but I think he's a, he's a pretty solid running back, too, in lineups. In Buffalo, meanwhile, the game started out with more Frank Gore, but Devin Singletary was picking up work. People were wondering why we weren't seeing more of him, and then we ended up seeing quite a bit more of him in the win over Washington. Do you think that we just watched Devin Singletary take over the Bills' backfield? Yeah, I, I think this was the breakout for Singletary, and I think he he's here to stay. As Buffalo's lead back now, because I mean, in this game, the Bills led throughout and in, you know, in previous games, that was when Frank Gore was operating as the lead back. And, you know, Singletary was more the come from behind pass catching guy, but Singletary outsnapped Gore, you know, two to one in this game with the Bills playing with the lead. So, you know, as we've been saying for, you know, the past month now since Singletary returned, he, he looks like Buffalo's best running back and, you know, he, he should be the leader going forward. 
Yeah, and I, I'm not ready yet to bet on the, the workload split and the playing time split going the way that it did against Washington, where two-thirds of the snaps are, are singletaries. He was simply clearly outrunning Gore in that game. And, you know, maybe next time out, Gore starts well and things get a little closer. But I certainly am heading into Week 10 projecting Devin Singletary as the lead back for Buffalo. Because really, there's no reason for them not to treat the two that way. Devin Singletary has not played a whole lot this season. So it's not like he's going to be wearing down at this point. As long as he's healthy, they have every reason to try to work him into a lead back role. Right. And I mean, I I think a two to one split for Singletary is definitely possible. I I won't say it's going to happen for sure at this point. I think that the thing to note is that Singletary and Gore combined for 31 carries in this game. That number is not going to be that high in most games so you know don't don't expect Singletary to get 20 carries a game but I think you know he could be in that 15 carry range going forward and I absolutely agree that a, a two to one share in favor of uh, Singletary is possible going forward especially because he's the much better receiving option so the more they play him the less clear it's going to be to the defense what they're intending to do on offense yep exactly in Detroit, Ty Johnson sucked once again. Nine carries, 29 yards. It wasn't in Detroit. It was in Oakland, but for Detroit. Uh, three catches for seven yards on three targets. Did play quite a bit. Trey Carson's out of the picture, but there's really no reason to get excited about Ty Johnson. No, no reason to get excited. I mean, at least, you know, he did play 62% of the snaps, got 12 opportunities, um, you know, compared to 11 total for the other running backs. So if you're desperate, you know, he's there. But a Ty Johnson breakout's not not coming this season. Yeah, he's Kalen Balage in a better offense and without the clown music. He's better than Kalen Balage, but that's not saying a whole lot. Yeah, I don't know. Ronald <laughs> Jones might have just had his breakthrough, and it seems like Bruce Arians agreed with us. Uh, agreed with that this time. He said Monday, after Ronald Jones clearly led the backfield against Seattle, that he has quote earned the right to start going forward. So we can. It looks like we get have some more clarity in this backfield going forward, heading into a solid matchup with Arizona this week. Right now, you know, we, we thought Jones had emerged back in, it was, it was week four when he had 19 carries, and then it just sort of went right back to a committee, and it was actually Peyton Barber leading the way the next two weeks. But th- this is the first time Bruce Arians has come out and said that, you know, Ronald Jones is the starter going forward. So I think it's easier to trust at this point with that matchup against the Cardinals coming up. I think, you know, Jones sh- should be in fantasy lineups this week with all the running backs on by. And probably most weeks he's going to be at least close to the bottom of running back two range because even if they're even if they're not great matchups, yeah. the strength of Tampa Bay's pass offense helps his outlook by providing scoring situations. Right. I mean, if we can if we can start to really count on fifteen carries per game, you know, he's going to be a running back two. You just still wish there were some more involvement in the passing game. I mean, even this past week he only saw two targets, uh, but again, we can't can't be too picky at running back. In the Chiefs' backfield, I saw from afar, I wasn't watching the game, but I saw that Damian Williams had the 91-yard touchdown run. I was like, oh, that's fun, but I don't know if that changes a whole lot. But it seems like the game might have actually changed a lot more than that, right? Yeah, I mean, Williams was the clear lead back in this game. He played 72% of the snaps. That was actually the highest snap rate by any running back, by any Chiefs running back in a game this season. Um, you know, LaShawn McCoy, I, th- I think he only played like eight snaps and, you know, McCoy had been operating as the lead back. He fumbled in the third quarter of that week eight game, and then he didn't touch the ball after that. Williams, I think, had all six running back touches. So it sort of seems like the, the Chiefs have, you know, turned the backfield over to Damon Williams for now. I mean, I, I guess we sort of have 
to trust it. There's always a chance they go back to McCoy, but if you're, you know, picking between these Chiefs running backs, it's definitely Damian Williams for week 10. Has anybody turned LaShawn McCoy over to check his expiration date? I, I think he's well past it. I think so too. Yeah. I mean, we'll see what happens, but you have to head into week 10 expecting Damian Williams to be the lead back. And it's an offense where the lead back matters. It's not a great matchup for rushing against Tennessee, but you know, similar is the the Minnesota matchup wasn't good for rushing either. So you're going to start the starting running back for Kansas city, especially if Patrick Mahomes returns. I was going to say, I mean, Mahomes being back definitely, you know, obviously helps everyone in that, in that backfield in that offense. Over to wide receiver, we got Devontae Adams back finally for that game against the Chargers. The offense didn't respond to it, but he got the ball a lot. 11 targets, caught seven of them for 41 yards in his first game back. The nearest Packer to Devontae Adams was Jamal Williams with six targets, so about half of his total, caught six of those. It was a terrible game for the Packers offense overall, but it was a clear return by Devontae Adams to the lead target in an offense that needs it. Right. It has me excited to use Adams in DFS this coming week. You know, I'm sort of hoping his, you know, relative dud in his first game back keeps the ownership down. But, you know, like you said, the, the underlying usage, the 11 targets, the 83% snap rate was all there. It seems like Adams is, you know, basically back to a full role. And I, I think he remains a wide receiver one now the rest of the way. Now, what we'll have to watch is how his return affects the targets for the running backs. I mean, the, the wide receiver core is kind of a mess. I don't think any other wide receiver for Green Bay is really going to be a strong option going forward. And they're all just kind of, you throw them into a hat. I would put Alan Lazard a little bit ahead of the of the other guys for now. But much more so, I think it's important to, to watch the running backs because Aaron Jones has actually led the team in targets since Devontae Adams went down. Jamal Williams has turned into an important target, especially in the red zone. So, I mean, we're playing them for now, but that's the area to watch. Yeah, definitely. I don't think we can expect the passing game usage to remain as high as it was, you know, over that month that, that Devonta Adams was out, um, you know, Jones and Williams should still remain involved going forward because, you know, none of those wide receivers behind Adams has really been reliable. Jimmy Graham, you know, there's not much left in the tank. So, you know, Jones and Williams are, are going to remain involved, even if it's not to the same extent. Um, you know, this, the snap rate last week was 59% for Aaron Jones, 44 for Jamal Williams. So, you know, closer than it had been, um, I think it's going to remain sort of volatile from week to week. Jones still the better fantasy play, but you know Williams, if he's going to be in the thirty to forty percent range, can can you know be a running back three or flex for us? Yeah, and that's the range that I would expect it to be. Six, but you know between sixty forty and and seventy thirty favoring yeah. Jones. Yep, yeah, that, that sounds right. And Williams has valuably been heavily involved in the red zone. Even if the targets go down, he he's scored four straight red zone touchdowns. So if he's getting six opportunities a game but one of them comes in the red zone it's not going to make him a, a really usable option in most places but it also makes him worth keeping on a roster and potentially tossing into a lineup if you don't have better options right yeah i mean you, you got to be careful relying on touchdowns that much but um you know again if williams can be playing 35 40 percent of the snaps and, and still hopefully staying involved in the passing game with three or four targets i think that that's going to help him be a bit more reliable week to week Elsewhere, wide receiver Emmanuel Sanders had a bigger game in his second with the Niners. He has now seen his two highest playing time shares of the entire season in his first two games with the Niners, 82%, 95%. Uh, he has seen 23.7% of Niners targets over his two games there. He left Denver having seen 19.1% of the targets through seven games there. And he has seen red zone targets in each game with the 49ers. He did, however 
see he, he had red zone touchdowns in each of the first two games with Denver as well. So let's not get too excited about the red zone role and assume that he's going to make a big jump there because that's somewhere we did see Sanders getting the ball in Denver, but they said they got him to be the number one receiver. He's acting like the number one receiver so far. Yeah, I, I cannot believe how in sync Sanders and Jimmy Garoppolo look, you know, after only being together for a couple of weeks now. There there was that there was one throw in that game against Cardinals on Thursday night where, you know, Garoppolo threw it. It must have been two seconds before Sanders made his break and the ball was just there as soon as Sanders turned his head. So that, that's been impressive to see. Garoppolo to me, it looks like, you know, every game he's getting more comfortable in Kyle Shanahan's offense. And I, I, I think getting a reliable wide receiver like Sanders has helped Garoppolo. Um, you know, so I, I, at this point, I think Sanders, just with the volume he's seeing, is basically a weekly fantasy start at this point. I mean, that, that big game against Arizona, a lot of that came in Patrick Peterson's coverage. Yeah, I mean, they've got a fine matchup with Seattle this week, a, a strong matchup with Arizona again, tough matchup with Green Bay, but then after that, there's nothing particularly scary on the schedule. So I agree. I mean, you're using Sanders at this point. We'll see yep. if something changes. Yep. In New England, which things went poorly for the Patriots against the Ravens, but Muhammad Sanu, things went quite well. He played every single snap against Baltimore, saw a bunch of targets, heavily involved. What, is this going to be an outlier of a game, or is this changing things going forward? I mean, an outlier to some extent. The 14 targets, don't expect that again. Um, it, the, you know, the Patriots, it looked like they came out wanting to, you know, throw the football and then falling behind sort of pushed him in that direction even further. But the 100% snap rate for Sanu, that's obviously good to see. Patriots have great matchups too over the next month here. They get the Eagles in week 11, the Texans in week 13. So I think at least in those two matchups, Sanu is someone we can you know look to as a wide receiver three type. Has anybody checked to make sure that Hunter Renfro and Cole Beasley have ever been in the same spot at the same time? <laughs> Uh, I, I, I can't say. I can't say. I know for sure they're not the same guy. Each of these tiny white guys has scored in two straight <laughs> games now. Hunter Renfro, six catches for 54 yards against Detroit. That followed four catches for 88 and a touchdown against Houston. Is it time to, I don't know, lend Hunter Renfro more credence as we consider him for fantasy lineups going forward? Or is this just like a, a two-game outlier? I mean, I, I would still rather not use Hunter Renfro going forward. Um, I, I think he is an option in deeper PPRs. I think what what you you know won't see looking at the box score from last week is that Renfro only played fifty four percent of the offensive snaps. Zay Jones, who the Raiders just acquired a few weeks ago, led the wide receivers with a ninety two percent snap rate. So you know, t- to me, Zay Jones is just as viable an option as Hunter Renfro going forward now. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And that's not to say that they're both strongly in starter consideration. It's they're both worth considering if you're looking way down the list, like, oh, who the hell am I going to use at my final wide receiver spot this week? Yeah, I mean, I think the takeaway is that, you know, Renfro's emergence and, you know, maybe Zay Jones is just helping Derek Carr, who, you know, really had just been relying on Darren Waller and Tyrell Williams. Yeah, especially with a few games without Tyrell Williams. So there are decent matchups going forward. The Chargers are not a have not been a great matchup, better than we expected. But I certainly wouldn't be I wouldn't be excited about any Raiders wideout heading into this game. Yep, for sure. All right, let's finish up with the defensive streamers like we do every Monday or Tuesday. And for Week Ten, I'm favoring the Colts. We talked about them previously as having a good upcoming schedule. They delivered against the Steelers. They were a top six fantasy defense, I believe, depending on your format. Now they get Miami at home. It's been four straight solid fantasy outings 
for Indianapolis. And those four have come since defensive end Jabal Sheard returned. So, you know, you can trace it to something changing on the offense. They've also gotten Darius Leonard back healthy after he missed three games within that stretch. The Steelers um, would have been the third team in that span to fall short of 20 points against the Colts, but they had a 96-yard pick six to boost their score. Dolphins remain the league's top scoring matchup for defenses, and Indy has held two straight opponents under 280 total yards. Yeah, and Miami has been playing better lately, but you know, again, they, they just lost Preston Williams. They're going to be probably starting Kalen Balaj at running back, and the Colts' defense has really played well for most of the season now, and especially, I think, over the past few weeks with Darius Leonard back. So definitely like the Colts. Um, I think the Ravens are a pretty obvious option. Um, they're on the road, but they get Cincinnati. Ryan Finley's first start. Bengals offensive line still a mess. The, the Ravens got Jimmy Smith back in that Patriots game, and the, that defense obviously looked good in that one. Um, so I think Baltimore is probably your second best option behind the Colts. I think the Browns are still fine at home against the Bills. I mean, the Browns disappointed us last week, but again, I don't think the defense played too poorly, and it's still a matchup with Josh Allen. Yeah, I agree. You can certainly check the rankings for options beyond that if you if none of those teams are available to you. And another reason that I'm fine with going with the Colts this week, next week I think I'll be ready to start them at home against the Jaguars as well. Gardner Minshew was not very good against Houston in London. We'll see if he's the starter once they come back from their bye. Nick Foles should be back as an option, and you know we'll see how the Jaguars weigh those two. I certainly don't think switching from Gardner Minshew to Nick Foles makes Jacksonville a scarier matchup for a team defense heading into week 11. Yeah, um, week 11 looks pretty tough for streaming defenses to me. I do think the Colts are an option. The Steelers, I think, will be an option. They're on the road against Cleveland. I mean, we know how much Cleveland struggled in the offensive line. I think the Steelers can get some pressure on Baker there. And I think your sort of fallback options are either defense in this Jets at Redskins game I probably lean towards the Redskins honestly but I think they'll both be in play it'll just be a ugly low scoring football game yeah I would easily lean Washington there and I mean we mentioned the Steelers a couple times if somebody drops the Steelers if they're available in your league then grab them if somebody drops them heading into that matchup with the Rams go ahead and stash them because you mentioned the Browns are coming up then they get the Bengals then the Browns again then the Cardinals then the Bills then the Jets I mean you might be able to start the Steelers the rest of the season Yep, you know, even this matchup this week against the Rams, I think it's it's a fine spot. I think they're going to get pressure on Jared Goff, and we know Goff struggles under pressure. We know he struggles on the road, so I think there's upside to the Steelers. And then, like you said, the schedule is pretty nice the rest of the way. So you could really just ride them out the rest of the season, I think. Yeah, I agree. That's going to do it for this edition of the podcast. Head over to DraftSharks.com now to get player and bid recommendations before you go to your Week 10 waiver run. In case those run Tuesday night or Wednesday, look over our updated rest of the way rankings. Look over our Week 10 projections to see how we rank everybody for the coming week. That should help with your waiver runs as well. You can also find us on Twitter. We are at DraftSharks. Jared is at SmolaDS. I am at ShaufDS. It's S-C-H-A-U-F. For Jared Small and the rest of the Draft Sharks crew, I'm Matt Schaaf saying thanks so much for swimming with us.